let's talk about the general intubation approach. We want to start with labelling the situation or the indication for intubation, for example hypoxia. We want to comment on whether it's a physiologically and or anatomically difficult intubation and we also want to mention the issues we anticipate. If we go through the seven P's, one is positioning, pre-oxygenation, pre-medication and other medications, paralysis and induction agents, plan, placement and post-intubation care. So first off we'll talk about asthma or critical hypoxia. So outline your approach to intubation of this patient. Well, this is a critically unwell asthmatic patient, it'll be a physiologically challenging intubation. Consideration should be given to anaesthetics involvement depending on the skill mix available in ED. The main issues are breathing, maximising ventilation for pre-oxygenation with the emphasis on complete expiration, but intubation doesn't treat the underlying bronchospasm. And also it's a circulatory issue as well, optimising hemodynamics to prevent cardiovascular collapse on induction. For our seven Ps, our positioning, we want to sit up for as long as possible uh, for the hypoxic COPD and asthma patient. For pre-oxygenation, we want to, if possible, use BiPAP with no or little PEEP and 10 to 15 centimetres of water of pressure support, which might need to be uptitrated. We want to use 100% FiO2 with underlying ventilation rate of perhaps eight breaths a minute for apneic ventilation for a, mo- a modified RSI or even a DSI. Uh, approach for pre-medication we want to use steroids so hydrocortisone 4 milligrams per kilo up to 250 milligrams 6 hourly intravenously think about fluids a a saline or Hartman's bolus of 20 mils per kilo up to a litre to optimise preload peripheral adrenaline infusion starting at 5 to 10 marks a minute for a MAP over 65 and consider adrenaline boluses of 20 to 50 marks 5 minutely intravenously thinking about the AMAX algorithm. Consider DSI with 10 to 20 milligram aliquots of ketamine for situational control in agitation to facilitate the pre-oxygenation and also bronchodilators. Think about inline MDI, uh, MDI bronchodilators in the NIV circuit, so 12 puffs of salbutamol and 8 puffs of ipratropium. That'll obviously change if you're using a non, non-rebreather mask and that'll uh, change to a, a continuous nebulizer. Also some magnesium, so 10 millimoles over 10, mil, uh, 10 minutes, and whether that's 100 mils in a 100 mil bag or neat. For paralysis and induction agents, either a shocked or a not shocked dose of ketamine, so 0.5 milligrams per kilo or 1 to 1.5 milligrams per kilo, and rocuronium 1.5 milligrams per kilo. In terms of a plan, the first attempt's the best attempt by the most experienced operator available. Plan A will be a video laryngoscope with a Mac blade and bougie single attempt and increase the size of the tube by 0.5 to 1 to minimise resistance of the airway. Plan B will be video laryngoscope using a D blade with a preformed stylet if uh, an unexpected difficult anatomical airway presents itself during plan A's first attempt. Plan C will be front of neck access, given that uh, laryngeal mask airway and bag valve mask are inappropriate due to the high airway pressures. 
For placement, we think about end tidal CO2 trace, misting of the tube, chest rise and fall with auscultation bilaterally, and a chest X-ray. For post-intubation care, we think about sedation, deeply, sedation, uh, de- deeply sedated with ketamine and or propofol and fentanyl. Think about ketamine, one milligram per kilo per hour. Paralysis, think about intermittent bolus versus infusions. Bronchodilators can be inline in the uh, ventilator circuit of salbutamol and epitropium, and they can also be uh, intravenous salbutamol infusion. Early nasogastric tube to decompress the stomach, and of course we need to talk about ventilator settings, the principles principles of which are permissive hypercapnia and ventilation to avoid dynamic hyperinflation. Think about a, a tidal volume of seven mils per kilo, eight breaths a minute, I to E ratio of one to four or greater, peep of zero to five, FiO two titrating to sets of ninety two or above. Tolerating high peak inspiratory pressures, but a, a plateau pressure of less than 30 centimetres of water, and permissive hypercapnia of an arterial CO2 of 45 to 55 or thereabouts. And of course, this patient's going to go to ICU, and we've got to think about VA ECMO if uh, things aren't working in our favour. Next, we'll talk about obesity. So, outline your approach to the intubation of an obese patient. This will be a physiologically and anatomically challenging intubation. The main issues are uh, airway uh, point of view, upper airway anatomy and crowding. From a breathing perspective, baseline hypoventilation and hypercapnia and overcoming the extrathoracic pressure from the soft tissue and also a circulatory issue that's optimizing hemodynamics before intubation to prevent cardiovascular collapse on induction. That's in addition to the primary reason for intubating the uh, obese patient as well. Our seven P's, so positioning, we want to ramp the patient with the head up or using an intubation pillow if your department has it, or upright to offset or displace the panis. For pre-oxygenation, we want to use non-invasive if possible, so bi-level positive airway pressure with 5 to 10 centimetres of PEEP and 10 to 15 centimetres of water pressure support with 100% FiO2 with an underlying ventilation rate of 12 breaths a minute for apneic ventilation. We want to consider OPA and MPA if obtunded or obstructing and also two-handed bag valve mask ventilation mindful of a short safe apnea time with small lungs for body weight. For pre-medication, we've got to be cognizant of the difference between ideal and actual body weight. So we've got to ensure that there are well-secured IVCs and appropriate, uh, appropriately placed blood, blood pressure cuff and uh, for fluid uh, saline or Hartmann's bolus of a liter to optimize, optimize preload. Think about noradrenaline infusion peripherally starting at 5 to 10 marks a minute, titrating uh, a map above 65, again, depending on the reason for intubating this patient. For paralysis and induction agents, either shocked or not shocked dose ketamine of 0.5 milligrams per kilo or 1 to 1.5 milligrams per kilo of ideal body weight, propofol 1 to 2.5 milligrams per kilo of ideal body weight, and rocuronium, again, ideal body weight, 1.5 milligrams per kilo. For our plan, plan A is going to be video laryngoscope with a D-blade and preformed stylet. Plan B will be a LMA and needing a plan for a definitive airway 
and plan C is front of neck access that may be difficult with landmarks due to the soft tissue around the neck. Again with placement, entitled CO2 trace, misting of the tube, chest rise and fall with auscultation and a chest x-ray, and post-intubation care, again sedation with morphine and midazolam or propofol and fentanyl, and paralysis, consider intermittent versus uh, continuous infusions, and disposition is going to be to ICU uh, unless they're needing to go to theatre or be retrieved. For ventilation settings, they'll need higher PEEP to overcome their extra thoracic pressure, and ventilation is based on ideal body weight. Next is a neuroprotective intubation. So outline your approach to the intubation of this patient. This is a physiologically challenging intubation. The main issues are one of an airway, which is lack of a protective airway reflex in a low GCS patient with an aspiration risk, and also circulatory, avoiding a secondary brain injury by maintaining adequate CPP and preventing a rise in ICP. For our 7Ps positioning, we want head up 30 degrees. Pre-oxygenation, we want 15 litres of non-rebreather mask oxygen or a back valve mask with an end tidal CO2 of low normal, 35 to 40. Pre-medication wise, we want fentanyl 3 to 5 mics a kilo for sympatholysis, uh, so 5 minutes prior, prior to induction, just to blunt that sympathetic uh, surge with laryngoscopy and also blood pressure control with severe hypertension, the number of which is a bit debatable, but we've said 180 millimetres of mercury. Think about hydralazine, 5 milligram, 5 minutely intravenous boluses and or, and or libidolol, 20 milligram IV boluses and then a libidolol infusion. Osmotic agents for a Cushing's triad patient with a unilateral dilated pupil, so hypertonic saline, 3%, 3 mils per kilo as an IV bolus or mannitol, 1 gram per kilo up to 100 grams a bolus. For paralysis and induction agents, Induction drugs, either a shock or not shock dose ketamine alone, 0.5 milligrams or 1 to 1.5 milligrams per kilo. Beware of the hypertension, though there's debate about that, and the impact on cerebral perfusion uh, pressure. And consider ketophol, so a mixed dose of ketamine and propofol in separate syringes of each 0.5 milligrams per kilo. Brocuronium is a dose of 1.5 milligrams per kilo. For our plan... Plan A is a, a video laryngoscope with a Mac, uh, a, a, a Mac a video laryngoscope with bougie and gentle oropharyngeal manipulation, again to prevent that sympathetic surge, uh, surge with a deblative concurrent neck injury requiring manual inline stabilisation. For Plan B, you think about a laryngeal mask airway. Plan C, front of neck access. For placement, again, CO2 trace. Uh, entitled CO2 trace, misting of the tube, chest rise and fall with auscultation bilaterally in a chest x-ray and post-intubation care is all focused about neuroprotective measures. Removal or loosening of the C-spine collar, ensuring that tube ties are not obstructing venous drainage, head of bed at 30 degrees, ventilation settings of low normal, arterial CO2 of 35 to 40, increasing the respiratory rate to facilitate that, map of greater than or equal to 80 and a systolic blood pressure of around 140 with no aggressive reduction and there's a bit of debate about that we want normothermia so prevention of hypo or hyperthermia and deep sedation and paralysis to prevent coughing 
and gagging on the tube and also to reduce cerebral metabolic rate. And we want to avoid a nasogastric tube if a base of uh, skull fracture is suspected. For facial trauma and, and C-spine precautions, outline your approach to the intubation of, of that patient. And this will be an anatomically challenging intubation with the main issues being airway, of course, uh, distortion of anatomy for facial trauma, uh, airway for prevention of optimal positioning and laryngoscopic view with C-spine immobilisation, and also circulatory, so preventing secondary brain injury by maintaining adequate CPP and preventing a rise in ICP for associated head injury. For the seven Ps, think about positioning, Spinal precautions, so consider a bed tilt up, the whole bed in, in uh, spinal precautions. Manual inline stabilisation for a head, in, head and uh, C-spine injury and compression of externally hemorrhaging wounds of the face. For pre-oxygenation, 15 litres a minute of non-rebreather mask oxygen at 100% FiO2 uh, and intermittent suctioning might be required. For pre-medication, think about fluids, a massive... Uh, transfusion or hemorrhage protocol for a shock trauma patient or significant bleeding think about a delayed sequence induction with a ketamine aliquots for agitation to facilitate pre-oxygenation of 10 to 20 milligrams each uh, time think about txa a gram intravenously and also intravenous antibiotics for paralysis and induction agents, either shocked or non-shocked dose ketamine 0.5 milligrams per kilo or 1 to 1.5 milligrams per kilo rocuronium at 1.5 milligrams per kilo and then the fancy stuff of topicalized airway with uh, 10% lignocaine for an awake fiber optic but that's going to be your anesthetic colleagues unless you're especially skilled in terms of our plan plan a with manual inline stabilization by a team member is going to be a video laryngoscope with a d-blade and preformed stylet plan b is going to be a direct laryngoscopy if the airway is contaminated or a direct view using the video laryngoscope um, Mac blade. Also have consideration for a salad approach, so a suction-assisted laryngoscopy with airway decontamination, utilising a decanto suction catheter and keeping in mind that you can insert a bougie through the suction catheter if you find yourself between the cords. Also awake fibre optic, but that'll be anaesthetics. And plan C will be front of neck access, which may well need to be marked beforehand for facial trauma. For placement, the same four things. Entitled CO2, misting of the tube, chest rise and fall with auscultation bilaterally in a chest X-ray, post-intubation care, think about sedation, paralysis, neuroprotective measures for the head injuries, so head of bed up 30 degrees, and uh, loosening tube ties and C-spine collar if the, you're sandbagging the patient. And also consider oropharyngeal packing and securing the tube. Replacing the appropriately fitting C-spine collar for Lefort fractures, so high-grade Lefort fractures bilaterally. And think about McKesson dental props and bilateral nasal balloon tamponade with anterior and posterior uh, rapid rhinos, for example with standard ventilation settings. Now let's talk about the threatened airway. So we think about maybe anaphylaxis, massive hemoptysis, or even something like uh, epiglottitis or uh, neck infection, uh, deep uh, neck infection. Outline your approach to the intubation of this patient. So this is a, 
anatomically challenging intubation and the main issues are airway, distortion of anatomy, which is swelling and anaphylaxis, and large friable tissues such as epiglottitis and contamination for massive hemoptysis. Also think about the AMAX4 algorithm for aspirin anaphylaxis for an unconscious patient needing bag valve mask ventilation. For our 7Ps, positioning, sit up for as long as possible. For homoptysis, if the bleeding lung is known, position the bleeding side down or bleeding lung down. For pre-oxygenation, 15 litres a minute of non-rebreather mask oxygen with continuous nebs of consider adrenaline for um, epiglottitis or anaphylaxis and, and TXA for massive hemoptysis. Uh, and choose a non-rebreather over non-invasive, non-invasive for example, for the risk of uh, vomiting or hemoptysis uh, contaminating the NIV circuit. For pre-medication, think about for anaphylaxis, the doses of intramuscular adrenaline and uh, adrenaline infusion, so the two, two iron doses of adrenaline and adrenaline infusion, hydrocortisone, 4 milligrams per kilo to 250 milligrams IV, even though that doesn't really feature in the acute management seems to always be included in exam answers fluids a normal saline up to 40 mils per kilo so two liters or two to three liters in adults as poluses rapid poluses and also bronchodilators whether they be salbutamol and or ipratropium for hemoptysis think about uh, txa intravenously a gram plus or minus nebules and then also activating a massive um, massive transfusion protocol and for epiglottitis, adrenaline, nebs, and minimal handling, and intravenous antibiotics if possible, for example, 50 milligrams per kilo of keftrioxone, up to 2 grams, noting that in, in children it may well be best to delay any treatment to upset the child and get that patient to theatre for the anaesthetist to intubate as soon as possible. For paralysis and induction, either shocked or non-shocked dose ketamine, 0.5 milligrams per kilo or 1 to 1.5 milligrams per kilo and rocuronium, 1.5 milligrams per kilo for our plan. For all of these, uh, the priority is really to have a double setup, so front of neck access marked uh, and set up ready to go with a dedicated operator assigned. For anaphylaxis, a video laryngoscope and D-blade with preformed stylet, considering a small, smaller endotracheal tube given the airway smel- uh, swelling. For massive hemoptysis, using a, a video laryngoscope with a MAC blade so that you can utilise video and direct uh, laryngoscopy for a contaminated airway with blood and try and insert an endotracheal tube that's a size or two up to facilitate the bronchoscope. Also, a main stem intubation to either the left or right lung if you know which lung's bleeding and, and try and involve your anaesthetist for double lumen tubes or awake fibre optics if uh, they exist at your hospital. And for epiglottitis or a neck infection, avoid ED intubation if possible, trying to get that patient to, to theatre for an awake fibre optic or gas induction. For placement... Again, the four, entitled CO2 trace, misting of the tube, chest rise and fall with auscultation bilaterally in a chest X-ray, and post-intubation care is, of course, sedation and paralysis. Extra care to secure the tube and prevent displacement, and the ventilation settings are mostly standard settings. For pregnancy, outline your approach to the intubation of this patient. 
this is an anatomically and physiologically challenging intubation. And the main issues are, from an airway point of view, oropharyngeal crowding and edema. From a breathing point of view, we think about reduced FRC and cephalid displacement of the diaphragm with increased aspiration risk. And from a circulatory point of view, there are two patients. Consider IVC uh, compression or aorto cable compression and decreased venous return and increased oxygen consumption at baseline. For our 7Ps, positioning, ramping the head up and the manual displacement of the uterus to left if the patient's supine, otherwise a, a wedge uh, to the left side. For pre-oxygenation, 15 litres of oxygen at a non-rebreather mask or nasal prongs, or plus nasal prongs rather, and consider bag through the apneic peer, uh, period because there's a shorter safe apneic time due to the increased oxygen consumption of pregnant women. For pre-medication, it's based on underlying pathology, the paralysis and induction agents again, the standard sort of ED setup of shocked or non-shocked dose ketamine of 0.5 milligrams per kilo or 1 to 1.5 milligrams per kilo with rocuronium 1.5 milligrams per kilo. For our plan, plan A is a video laryngoscope with a D-blade and preformed stylet. Consider a smaller tube size and minimise attempts due to the friable oropharyngeal uh, mucosa and consider extra uh, external laryngeal manipulations, so ELM and a nasogastric tube before intubation to decompress the stomach. For plan B, uh, laryngeal mask airway, noting the aspiration risk and plan C, front of neck access. For placement, entitled CO2 trace, misting of the tube, chest rise and fall with auscultation bilateral and then a chest x-ray and post-intubation care, and nasogastric or orogastric tube if not inserted prior, sedation and paralysis, check of fetal well-being with CTG and liaison with the obstetric team at your hospital, and the ventilator settings are going to be pretty well standard, but maybe a little bit more peep due to the increased intra-abdominal pressure of the uterus. Other situations that might require a special mention are of course respiratory infections uh, how could we possibly forget COVID so uh, mentioning the personal protective equipment for those infections and a negative pressure room HME filters, N95 masks face shields, gowns so on for positioning think about paediatric patients and a towel behind the shoulders for that larger occiput to um, get the airway positioned appropriately. For pre-oxygenation, for conditions like DKA or severe metabolic acidosis, uh, bagging through the apneic period to try and match the pre-induction respiratory rate. For pre-medications, for, from tox, think about sodium bicarb, 8.4%, 100 mils for severe acidosis or sodium channel blockade. And for peds, think about atropine uh, and whether or not that's uh, required for the sort of pronounced vagal response and bradycardia. It's at 20 mics per kilo as an intravenous uh, dose. For paralysis and induction, for unstable patients, of course, uh, try and avoid propofol uh, with a preference for lower dose ketamine. For our plan, essentially it's always going to be 
first attempt is best attempt. And in the ED, we're most comfortable with video laryngoscope, uh, the use of video laryngoscope, whether that's a GlideScope or, or a CMAC, and the bougie over tube technique versus a, a stylet or a D blade with a preformed stylet. For post intubation care, I think the only other addition is really from a tox perspective is that nasogastric or orogastric tube to facilitate single dose or multi dose activated charcoal or even whole bowel irrigation. Mm-hmm.